You are listening to the American Truth Project Podcast. So they only give me about 30 minutes, and I've got about five hours to talk to you about, so I'm going to cram it in as fast as I can, and I'll give you as much time as you want for questions afterwards if um, there's something you want to talk about or some questions that you have. I'm going to talk about uh, seven basic things as fast as I can cover them. I'm going to talk about the race for the White House. I was checking my phone, and I've got some early results from New York for you. I'm going to talk to you philosophically about what I think is a very interesting phenomenon, especially for Tea Party right now, which is the similarities between Donald Trump and Bernie Sanders, which may surprise you. I'm going to talk about the biggest thing in the news today, which is the 9-11 report and what the president has just announced about it, and I'll explain it to you. I'm going to tell you about my interviews this past week with the commanding uh, Brigadier General of the Israeli Air Force in a private interview I did with him, and also uh, my interview with Duncan Hunter, which just went up on our website today. I'll tell you about Hillary's email scandal, and I'm going to educate you on that, and you're going to walk out of here an expert on secrecy laws in America. I'll tell you about Iran a little bit, and then I'll tell you a little bit about the American Truth Project, which is our project. Um, my associate Sutton Porter is walking around with a sign-up sheet, so anybody that wants to get our stuff by email, the television shows that I do, and the videos, and the blog, and so forth, give us your email and you'll start getting stuff as fast as we can send it to you. Okay, so let's get started. I'm going to give you my predictions on the presidential race, and I'll give you an update. Um, I had the honor this past week of having a private, exclusive sit-down interview with Frank Luntz. For those of you that don't know who he is, he's America's premier pollster. He's got seven books that have been on the New York Times bestseller list. He's Fox News' in-house affiliate on polling. He's the guy that does those um, um, group sessions uh, on every election night where he'll have 15 people that come in. Why do you like Trump? Why do you like Cruz? What did Hillary do right? And so on. Uh, he's a fascinating guy. Um, I was at his house. It was supposed to go five minutes. It went. 45 minutes. Um, I'll tell you what he said and what I think based on what he said. Um, as far as delegate count as of right now, as you may know, Trump has 725. Ted Cruz is at 659. Kasich is at 144. And the guy that dropped out two months ago, Rubio, is in third place at 169. Let me tell you why that's so important, and you're going to remember this in June. Marco Rubio has 169 delegates, but he's not running for President of the United States. Let me tell you where those delegates are going. 37 are unbound. That means they're free agents. They can go wherever they want. A whole bunch of the 96 are bound for the first ballot, but he's not on the first ballot, so they can't vote. By round two, there's only nine still bound, so after the second round, they're all free agents. And Marco has 27 of them bound to him permanently until he releases him. Those 169 delegates may very well decide who the GOP nominee for president is. It's going to be that close 
after the California primary. Um, while I don't have firm results out of New York, I can tell you that Donald Trump is uh, predicted to win about 50%. If he crosses 50%, he's going to walk away with almost all the delegates. There's 99 at stake. They have a really weird system. They're awarded by congressional district, and then there's a winner-take-all bonus uh, if you go over 50.01%. Um, let me tell you what Frank Luntz says about the convention. He says, obviously, Ted Kasich and, uh, sorry, John Kasich and Ted Cruz have no chance to win by the convention, which is true mathematically. And Donald Trump has a chance, according to um, Frank Luntz, will not make it by the first ballot at 1,237. So the big question is what happens in Cleveland? Uh, according to Frank, because he will not make it on the first ballot, and because of what's been happening in Colorado, in Wyoming, in Michigan, and other states, there's a very bizarre situation in the Republican Party right now, and I'm sure you know what it is, but I'll just cover it briefly. And that is that delegates that are bound by law to vote for a certain candidate are only bound for generally the first ballot. And the second ballot, they're free agents. Now, why is that important? Well, if you're a Ted Cruz supporter, and I assume many of you are, and you're a delegate to the convention, and you're bound by law saying coming out of Florida to vote for Donald Trump on the first ballot, what do you do on the second ballot? You switch, right? You can do whatever you want. You can vote your conscience. By the third ballot, everybody's a free agent. Everyone can do whatever they want. And Ted Cruz is killing Donald Trump on the ground in every state coast to coast with those delegates. Why? Because he knows the system. Don't believe any of this, it's cheating. They're gaming the system. The rules have been up for a very long time in the Republican Party, and when they make changes in the Republican Party, everybody knows what the rules are. The question is, do you invest in the ground game to be ready to play the game according to the rules? It's sort of like getting to the fourth game in a baseball tight pennant race and saying, these rules aren't fair. I don't want to do this anymore. Let me tell you what isn't fair, but it's not against the rules. And that is the difference in both parties between the popular vote and how you get elected president of the United States. Don't kid yourself. It's not a democracy. Part of it's representative and part of it's elitist. And it's not just the Republicans. The Democrats are way, way, way worse. And there's two words that describe it. It's superdelegate. What's a superdelegate? A superdelegate is a party insider that's been a volunteer, a local representative, someone who's been around the party for a very long time, and they get to vote for whoever they want to. In the Democratic Party, the vote totals are very, very close between Hillary and Bernie Sanders right now. Very close. But the delegate count is like this. That's what Bernie's people are so upset about because the superdelegates are about 95% for Hillary. Why? She's the insider. Bernie's the outsider. So obviously they're voting with the party machine and the recommendations. In the GOP, it's somewhat similar in that there are many primaries where you don't get to vote. 
It's done on a party convention basis by the delegates alone, regardless of how the polling is and regardless of what their constituents say. And that's what happened in Colorado the other day. Ted Cruz got everybody. Did he cheat? No. Don't let anyone tell you he cheated. He followed the rules exactly. Those delegates got lobbied. Those delegates voted for who they wanted to. And Ted Cruz's people were on the ground and did a better job than Donald Trump's people. So Trump's campaign has now hired an expert in this as of about 10 days ago, and there will be more of a fight for who the delegates are. It's not just who they're pledged to, because if Frank Luntz is right and there's a fight at the convention, it matters more who the delegates are than who they represent. Why? Because they're going to be free agents. They will elect the next nominee of this party no matter what the people in each one of their states said. If Trump's people can do a better job, it'll be a better fight. Having said all of that, what's Frank's prediction as the number one pollster in America? Trump will not win. Here's why. He says by the second ballot he loses somewhere between 180 and 230 delegates. By the third ballot, probably another 75. So he'll never get to 1,237. A lot of those are going to where? Ted Cruz. Why? I just told you why. But Cruz doesn't have enough base delegates to increase, to get to 50% plus one. So when I pressed him, who's going to be the nominee? You know what he said? I don't know. Because there's the party elite that have certain favorites. Marco Rubio was a favorite. John Kasich is a favorite. Supposedly, Paul Ryan is a favorite, who's not running. But then again, don't kid yourself, he wasn't running for Speaker of the House either. And who's the Speaker of the House? Paul Ryan. So, after the first ballot, anyone can be put in nomination. The rules in the GOP are you must win eight primaries on a primary basis to be able to be put into uh, the election on the first ballot. Kasich will not be on the ballot for the first election cycle because he's never won a primary except in Ohio and he, he's seven short. Ted Cruz will be, Donald Trump will be. It's a free for all and according to um, Frank Luntz, it's like nothing he's ever seen in his lifetime. What happens if Donald Trump doesn't get the nomination? This is really important as a Republican because I assume most of you are generically Republicans. Most Donald Trump supporters will not switch. They're angry people from outside the system who feel the system has betrayed them and they've never been part of the system. There's a very sizable percentage of those people who are pissed off at Washington. And they're not party people, they're Americans. And there's a difference. Party people are Americans, but you don't necessarily be a party person just because you're a patriot. You follow me? Those people may not switch. The Ted Cruz people, who, because he comes from inside the system on more of a basis than Trump does, because don't kid yourself, Trump was a Democrat eight years ago, will, not, will switch and vote for anyone who is the nominee on a much bigger percentage than Trump's people will. I'm not endorsing either candidate. I'm just giving you the facts. And poll after poll says this. If Donald Trump is not the nominee, it will be very, very difficult, unless there's a unifying candidate that everybody gets behind for the GOP to beat anybody coming out of the Democratic Party in November. That's just the facts on the ground. 
unless certain things happen, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute. Okay? By the way, the convention winner will very possibly be decided amongst you in June. The California primary for the first time in a generation matters. 172 delegates are at stake, 159 that are allocated, three per congressional district, plus 10 at large to the winner of the state, plus three to the party heads. That could be the make break point for Trump. It can't be for Cruz and Kasich, forget it, okay? So it really matters. You really need to vote in June and get everybody else out there too because this time, we matter. We don't normally. Normally it's done by the time California rolls around. Let me talk to you about the differences or the similarities between Trump and Sanders. I find this from a political science point very interesting. They're both outsiders. I'm not talking about what they believe. I'm saying they come from outside the system. Don't kid yourself. Bernie Sanders is somewhere between socialist and communist. When you go down and look at his background and who he emulates and who he wrote about, he loves Fidel and Raul Castro. His honeymoon was in the Soviet Union. These are the people and the systems that he emulates. If anyone tells you he's a Democrat, they just don't know what they're talking about. He registers and is an independent in the Congress. He votes with the Democratic Caucus because that's the closest to left-wing fall off the planet, socialist communist. He's outside the system. He has tens of thousands of people showing up at rallies who have never voted before. And they're there for the free stuff train. Healthcare, education, housing, loans, you name it. And oh, by the way, you don't get to pay any taxes because all the rich people do and they don't pay enough. So if everyone else pays 98%, you don't have to pay anything. They're all signing up for that. It ought to scare the crap out of you. Why? Because so many millions of Americans are believing that pile of un-American, non-understanding of the American capitalist free market system. Millions of people support his candidacy. That's terrifying. I've been predicting forever that he'll never get anywhere and he's still there. And the exit polls in New York that I just read 10 minutes ago, he's very, very close to Hillary on the exit polls coming out of New York. And the man is borderline nuts. But you know what? Everybody wants free stuff. They don't care where the free stuff comes from. There's no concept of free stuff comes from someplace else. Or in this case, someone, and it's you people who probably all pay taxes. Right? What was it Margaret Thatcher said that socialism is great until you run out of other people's money? And that's the truth, and that's Bernie Sanders. What's interesting, and I want you to have this as the takeaway about those two candidates, if Bernie Sanders doesn't win the nominee as the Democratic Party, which he won't, a very sizable percentage of his people will not vote for Hillary. Why? Because they consider her inside the system, which she's about as inside the system as you can get. She's been there for a generation and a half. They will not vote Democrat. They're not Democrats. They're revolutionaries. And they will stay home. That's number one. Number two, 
This is a wild poll result, and I've read it, and I've said it, I've read it in three polls. A significant percentage of Bernie Sanders people, if he's not the nominee of the Democratic Party, which he will not be, will vote for Donald Trump. And why? Because he is considered outside the system. Even though he's on the other side of the political spectrum, he's outside the system. And those people are voting against the system. And you want to hear a real ironic thing? They've got a lot of similarities with you people. A lot of you are pissed that you don't get to say what should happen. You don't have enough input. Washington does what it wants regardless of what you believe or want and regardless of what the system should demand. In our lifetimes, this is the most exciting time in politics because people are really angry and for the first time they're showing up. And that's why you get to see 20,000 people at a rally for a guy that went to Moscow on his honeymoon. That's amazing. Because they're coming into the system. They're, they're being created out of the air that they never voted before. Okay. Let's talk about the big news today, besides New York. Have you heard about the 9-11 report? Everybody know what that means? After 9-11, there was a, a congressional inquiry into who caused 9-11, where it came from. There's pages and pages of that report, 28, that have never been released to the public. Why? And does that bother any of you? From the people that have seen it, and I've talked to two, what's in there, which right now is classified, secret. It pins it on the Saudi royal family. Saudi Arabia financed it. That's where the hijackers came from. That's where they grew up. Remember, Saudi Arabia, out, outside of Iran, funds more terrorism in the world than any country on the face of the earth. Wahhabism is Saudi Muslim fundamentalism. Al-Qaeda is Muslim fundamentalism. It came out of Saudi Arabia with Osama bin Laden, right? So ISIS, which is an offshoot of Al-Qaeda, came from Saudi Arabia Wahhabism. Don't for a second think it's just Iran. Those are the Shia. Right? Hezbollah and Islamic Jihad and, and Jalan, what is it? Islamic Jihadi, which is in the desert in, uh, in the Sinai. Those people are the other side of the crazy train, but it's the other part of Islam. What is going to happen when that report gets released? Well, two things. Saudi Arabia has announced that if that report is released to the general public and the Congress sanctions Saudi Arabia, they will immediately begin dumping treasuries. They own trillions, not billions, of our debt. By the way, that would be suicidal for the royal family. They'll destroy their own investments. I'm going to tell you something wild. I don't think the report should come out if it ends up with a congressional problem, and here's why. Saudi Arabia is the last major country standing against Iran. And if they fall and they become Syria, the United States in the Middle East is screwed. Israel in the Middle East is screwed. 
I'm going to tell you why in a minute when I talk about the um, other interview I did last Sunday. I think we ought to know what's in it. I think the truth should come out. I think we're big enough children to hear about it. And I think it's insulting that since 2001, it's never been released. It's not a matter of national security. It's a matter of national expediency because our biggest oil supplier until two years ago was Saudi Arabia. When we went energy independent, they went into second place. But the reality is that's why we've covered it up. And we're about to see it. Obama will veto any congressional action that moves against Saudi Arabia. He said so again this afternoon. Let me tell you about my highlights. I, I met last week with two other gentlemen. I met with the Brigadier General of the Israeli Air Force, and I met with Duncan Hunter. Both of them were on a trip to Israel together, and they both tell me similar stories about the following things that are important. Number one. There are terrorists surrounding Israel on every side. And the biggest allies Israel has right now in the Middle East, besides us, on a military basis, not a political basis, is Egypt. And what do we do to thank Egypt as the United States? We stick pens in their eyes politically every day. And we insult them, and we don't back them, and we withhold military hardware that we're under contract to provide, and we withhold training and material and men. Why? Because the president liked the Islamic Brotherhood when they ran that country. Everybody know that? He went there, he honored them, that's the first place he went when he became president of the United States, and when the military overthrew the Islamic Brotherhood who were running Egypt, we stood against Egypt and have never made friends with them again. And they're our biggest ally outside of Saudi Arabia. And it's a foreign policy disaster for the United States. But it goes along with what the president has been doing, which is kowtowing to Iran for the last six years. And everybody knows about that. The other thing I'll touch on briefly from my discussion with Duncan Hunter and General Rosen is, and this is an inside scoop, sort of off the record, Israel, for the first time in its history, has a defense pact with Saudi Arabia. And it's not in the press, and it's way off the record, and the Israeli pilots are training with the Saudi pilots against Iran. And they both think a war is coming, and that's what they're training for. And the general told me face to face. And if you look at my interview, which I think has been circulated to you, you'll see him say it on tape. But he'll say, I can't talk about it. But I already knew about it because the ambassador from Israel told me that three months ago, so I just confirmed it with the general. By the way, blessings to Duncan Hunter for what he did. He went, to the, he went into the Golan Heights. He was on uh, the Jordanian border. He was in um, uh, the Sinai. Uh, he went everywhere. And the biggest thing Duncan Hunter said was the military cooperation, not political, but military between Israel and the United States has never been closer and stronger, and not because of the President of the United States, in spite of the President of the United States. And that's from a guy that ought to know who served this country in uniform as a Marine three tours. Okay, here comes your um, legal education. I'm gonna teach you about Hillary. I'm sure a big favorite in this room. The Hillary email scandal 
without a doubt, should put her in jail for an extremely long period of time. Let me explain to you why. I'm going to teach you why you should never believe the crap that comes out of her mouth on this subject ever again. Every single person at, at Department of State is required to sign an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement, that's very long and very explicit that has to do with documents that you're exposed to. And it says that you are not allowed, I'm paraphrasing, but you're not allowed to disseminate secret information. How many of you have heard Hillary say none of it was marked top secret when it was on my server? That's bullshit. It's legal bullshit. Why? Because the law has nothing to do with what the classification is at the time it was on your desk or in your computer or your purse. It said that you should know or should have known by virtue of your position that it should have been classified. And if necessary, you put the classification on it. Do you understand that? Any idea how many emails have been pulled off that server that have been classified as secret or top secret or special program access, which is top, top secret? 2,000. Do you know where that server was? Anybody? Some of you heard me. It's close. It was in the closet of an apartment in Colorado run by a guy who was hired by Hillary Clinton at state. The law says it has to be behind especially Secretary of State, because that's as high as it gets under President of the United States, has to be encrypted behind a firewall, behind a private server inside of the government. So other secretaries have had private servers, but not with thousands of emails on them that were top secret. Have you guys heard about that the Inspector General that was put on this to investigate this alleged breach of the NDAs has top secret clearance and above top secret clearance but he doesn't have SAP clearance which is above top secret clearance and he wasn't even allowed to read the emails that were on that server because they're above his clearance level and he's the inspector general for the Department of State of the United States of America and doesn't hold clearance high enough to read the emails on her server that were unprotected in an apartment closet in Colorado. Here's how bad it really gets. There's speculation that China, Russia, and North Korea breached that server. General Petraeus went to jail for about half a dozen violations, not jail, I'm sorry, lost his, could have gone to jail, lost his entire career, was humiliated. There's a European hacker that's been extradited to the United States that's now under questioning. And the really important stuff is Brian Magliano, her IT guy, has just been granted immunity by the, by the uh, AG's office to see what he really knows. He's the guy that took the Fifth Amendment before Congress and refused to testify under oath in front of a congressional committee because he's guilty of setting this up and he knows it and he knows who's been in that and that server and who's seen it. I'll talk real quickly about the Iran deal because I only have a couple minutes left. 
Who's the Iran deal between? This is the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, the Iran nuclear. Did anybody have any idea who the parties are? Do you know, do you know we're the only country that signed it? You know Iran never signed that deal? It was rejected by the Iranian parliament. It was rejected by the supreme leader of Iran who said they'll never sign it. Do you realize it's never been in the papers? You don't know that because it's been withheld from you? So we are honoring an agreement that's not a contract, that's not a treaty, that's non-binding, that has no enforceability in any court in the world, and they've breached almost every single protocol under that agreement that they never signed. They're doing long-range ballistic missile tests, what do we do about it? Anybody? Nothing. What did the UN do? Nothing. They're still carrying on nuclear research at several bases that we have no access to. What are we doing about it? Nothing. They're buying advanced weapons from China and Russia and Pakistan. And what do we do about it? Nothing. They took our sailors off the high seas. They held them in breach of international law. There's seven or eight maritime treaties. And what do we do about it? Absolutely nothing. Why? Because we, as a country, have made a decision that we want to be best friends with the world's leading sponsor of terrorism that sponsors more terroristic activity against American positions around the world that has killed more Americans than every other country in the world combined over the last two decades, and we're kissing their tuchuses every day in the international field of apologies. It's the worst foreign policy mistake in American history, and we're a party to it. And I hope you walk out of here pissed enough about it to do something about it. And I can tell you a lot about what you can do if we do Q&A. Okay? By the way, little inside story. Um, Denise and I, my wife, had dinner with a leading Democratic congressman a month ago, and I asked him, have you ever spoken to Kerry about the JCPOA? And he said, yeah, a number of times. I said, what's he thinking? What's the president thinking? We, are, we gave $150 billion that are being spent on advanced weaponry from around the world to be used against us, to be used against our troops, to be used against Israel, and, and we gave them the money. Why? And he said, I'll give you my opinion and what the Democratic caucus thinks in Congress. We think Kerry's running for the Nobel Peace Prize. And that's the why for Kerry. And for the president, his leading foreign policy advisor, Valerie Jarrett, was born and raised in Iran. And Kerry's daughter is married to an Iranian. And maybe that has something to do with it. Okay, I'm running out of time here. Uh, real quickly, American Truth Project, which you have some sign-up sheets, is what we're doing to get this word out and educate people. I hope you learned a little bit tonight. Uh, if you read the stuff we put on the site, you'll learn a lot more. And what we're trying to do is educate people because people like you that care enough to come and hang out with me on a night like this, can go tell other people, because that's what the Tea Party is. It's people that care enough about this country to get educated and then go educate other people. Because you can be one of the people that says, hey, the government ought to give me free stuff, but you know better than that. 
All of you know better than that. But if you're not educated enough to convey that to other people, then things just sort of slide off the left side into Argentina or Venezuela or Cuba or whatever. So thanks for your time. I can ask, answer some questions for you. Thanks for listening to the American Truth Project, a 501c3 nonprofit. Please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on our social media channels to stay plugged in to the truth. Go to americantruthproject.org and subscribe to our newsletter to stay informed on the latest news.